Good morning. My name is Ben Steele. This morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of John. You can follow along in your own Bibles, or we'll have it up on the screens for you as well. The reading is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started, from the, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to die, had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to, the, to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. My name is Elise Steele. The handsome gentleman who read scripture is my husband, and Julie Steele is my mother-in-law. I am an ordained covenant minister. I was a pastor at North Park Covenant Church in Chicago, Illinois, um, before Ben and I relocated here. I remember I preached here at the church in December, and Julie had said to me, I believe you're going to be the first pregnant woman to ever preach at Evergreen Covenant Church. So I have decided to cement my title as the most pregnant woman to ever preach in this church. Well, Easter is my favorite holiday of the year. It was not always this way. Christmas definitely held the title for the majority of my life with my birthday as a close second. But once I went to seminary, I started attending a liturgical church that followed the church calendar closely. 
The pastor was very intentional about marking the seasons, and Lent was a somber six weeks in our church. And that, paired with the bleakness of a Chicago winter, made everyone long for that glorious Easter day. We wanted to rejoice in the singing of the Alleluia, a word that is not spoken in or sung during the season of Lent in liturgical churches. Many sacrificed in our congregation greatly for their Lenten disciplines, giving up meat, meals, television, and cell phones. There was a longing to live in the abundance that we once had before the Lenten season had begun. Easter season became much more significant to me. Out of the bleakness and scarcity of the wilderness of Lent came the light, hope, and bounty of Easter. And the best part about Easter is this is a season in the church calendar. It is not just a day. It lasts for 50 days up until Pentecost Sunday. The celebration did not end last Sunday, but continues. Keep eating your Cadbury eggs, because the glory of the Easter day continues. So as we celebrate the risen Christ today, our gospel passage reminds us that this miraculous event happened in the midst of great sorrow. The account tells us of Mary weeping And in her grief, pain, and mourning, the resurrected Christ came to her. During the summer between my first and second year of seminary, my brother, just two years older than myself, tragically and unexpectedly died. In the month following his death, a friend asked if she could pray with me twice a week. And as we sat and prayed together, she would always ask, How can I pray for you this day? This had become a common question of my seminarian community. Classmates, professors, and friends would ask. I never knew what to say. I had felt all light had gone out of the world when Casey died. I was hopeless, and I did not know if I believed in good anymore. So to my friend, I said, you can pray for a good thing that will restore my hope. There were many people who wanted to tell me what that good thing was. This was not helpful. I needed to discover good again on my own, and I had no idea what to expect. We prayed this prayer for four months, twice a week. And then during the season of Advent, on the Sunday of Mary's Magnificat, we sang a hymn in church with the verse, Rejoicing in God's Goodness. My spirit is restored. Tears started to stream down my face. I once again was awakened to the reality of God's great goodness. For God had sent us a Savior who would conquer the evil of death. My brokenness and pain would be healed one day, and I would see my dear brother again. I felt the presence of the resurrected Christ, giving me hope and light, my good thing. In our gospel message this morning, we have the testimony of at least two people who would say, on this day, I met the resurrected Christ. And for both of them, Christ came into the hopeless and dark situation and brought light. 
And I find it interesting to note the three people accounted in this story, the varied places they were in. We have Mary overcome with grief and then fear. She had been an outcast of society and alone. Jesus not only restored her humanity, he accepted her and invited her into his world. And now he was dead. I assume the grief of losing such a person would feel unbearable. As she travels to the tomb and sees the stone rolled away, she is struck with fear that Jesus' body has been stolen. And then we have John. Sweet John. I'll be honest and say I find his account a bit comical. Never referring to himself in the first person or the third, but always as the disciple in which Jesus loved. I like to think that if I wrote a memoir of my parents' life, I would refer to myself as the child most loved. And then John makes the, Peter and his journey to the tomb somewhat of a road race, letting us know he was the one who got there first, and then finally announcing he was the one who saw and believed. My impression is always that John is a little full of himself and perhaps struggles a bit with pride. And finally, we have Peter. Dear Peter, always thinking he knows what's going on and oftentimes misses the mark significantly. Having experienced so much with Jesus in his earthly ministry, he cannot even fathom denying him three times. But then he does. And now he stands in an empty tomb. I suspect Peter is riddled with guilt. He cannot see and believe as John can, since Peter is carrying a heavy burden. These three, one overcome with grief, one potentially with pride, and the other weighed down with guilt, these are the ones the resurrected Christ comes to meet. We have this notion in popular Christianity that Christ belongs to the holy, the deserving, and the always believing. But our Bible constantly contradicts this notion. C.S. Lewis once said, It cost God nothing, as far as we know, to create nice things, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. The resurrected Christ intends to meet us on our journey. No matter where we are at, where we have been, he comes alongside the grieving, comforts them, weeps alongside them, and restores their hope. He meets them in the darkness and provides light to see better days ahead. He calls them out by name that they may know it is him. He reaches out to those who carry the, guilt, the burden of guilt and shame and he offers them forgiveness and grace. The risen Christ assures them of God's unending love and renewed life in the waters of their baptism. Jesus knows the prideful and the arrogant, and he gently humbles them in order that they may have new life. Christ comes to the broken and the meek of this world and exalts them as God's own children. Jesus' desire is to do life with all of us, no matter where we have been, what we have done, or who we are. 
Andrew Murray once wrote in his book, Jesus Himself, a dead Christ I must do everything for. A living Christ does everything for me. We often read these stories in our Bible and they become so familiar, we are almost numb to their truth. Yet these are the powerful testimonies of regular people who have experienced the miraculous deity. Something so powerful that forever changed their lives. God intends this for each one of us as well. For Jesus to appear to Mary carries significant weight. In this time, women were not seen as people. They were counted among the cattle and the livestock. To put it bluntly, to the people of that time, it was as if Jesus had appeared to a sheep when he appeared to Mary. But this is not how God sees humanity. God loves people, male and female, and desires relationship with them. Jesus appears to Mary to claim that women have a powerful voice in declaring the gospel message. He not only turns her mourning into great joy, but he exalts her as an apostle, one who has seen the risen Christ. And for Peter, who carries around the shame of denying Christ three times, Jesus appears to him and in a later account offers the opportunity for Peter to profess his love of Christ and seek forgiveness. Jesus offers pardon and gives Peter the high honor of being the rock in which Christ will build his church. God chose Peter the one who denied him three times and who often needed correction for the actions he wanted to take. He chose this person to build his church. For God knew Peter's heart and saw his deep love of Christ. God is not in the business of needing perfect people, but needing the good-hearted and the willing. And John's face-to-face encounter with the resurrected Christ gave him life-changing message and mission. As we read in his writings, John's encounter with Jesus was powerful and forever changed him. He became a bold and courageous evangelist for the good news. He wrote at the end of his gospel, These are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John retells of his story of what he saw in Jesus' ministry here on earth and his own experience, so that others may come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. He wrote in 1 John, The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you eternal life which was from the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And that fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the resurrection message. Christ conquered the grave. Death is swallowed up. We are forgiven and have eternal life in his name. We are ushered into the throne room of God because the resurrected Christ has done it all. So in our grief, there is hope. In our detours that lead us away from light, 
there is a path that guides us back to life. And in our guilt and shame, there is forgiveness and grace. No matter where we are on the journey, the resurrected Christ meets us, giving us life and a powerful testimony to tell. The testimony is not only for ourselves, but to be shared that through it others may come to the belief in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is our good thing. Christ is risen. Amen.